Last week we began talking about choices. Our choices really do matter, don't they? Uh, we, we began talking about a, a man named Josiah, a man who became king at eight years old because his dad was so evil that the evil nation of Israel rose up and, and killed him, making him an orphan at eight years old. So Josiah, rather than making excuses for himself, rather than making excuses because of his tough situation, makes every choice to follow after the Lord, to serve the Lord, to, to chase after the Lord. And so we saw how his choices affected him. Well, this morning we're going to be in Judges chapter 13, and as we look at Judges 13, we're going to talk about a guy who, if you grew up coming to Sunday school, uh, you know about him. And if you ever taught little boys in Sunday school, you definitely know about him. His name is Samson. He's one of those guys that we love to talk about because he just has a, an amazing story. He has an amazing background. But something we forget about Samson sometimes, I think, is that in many ways Samson is almost the exact opposite of Josiah. You see, Samson had everything going for him. From the day that he was born, he had every card stacked in his direction. So in Judges chapter 13, beginning in verse 3, we see that Samson, even from before he was born had everything in his favor. So Judges chapter 13, beginning in verse 3. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God, from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Will you join me in prayer? Father, I pray that you would bless your word this morning. God, I pray that you would honor uh, your word, that you would honor yourself this morning. God, as we uh, serve you through hearing from you, God, that you would give us the strength we need to follow after you. God, that we would obey you and that we would serve you this morning. God, make your, your will apparent and clear to us. Uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so the angel appears to this woman. This woman would have been Manoah's wife, Samson's mom. They had tried and tried and did not have any children. And so this angel appears to him, the angel of the Lord. We find out later that this angel of the Lord is most likely God, just from their response and the different things that we see happen in the, in the text. And so he appears and he says, listen, you're going to have a son. And this son is going to be special. So this son has three special rules. First, that no strong drink, and so no alcohol for this uh, son of hers. Secondly, he's not to cut his hair. He's to let his hair grow from the day that he is born. He's going to have long hair. I, I, when I was reading this, I thought about when I was a kid, and my mom decided she was going to learn how to cut her hair. And I remember her snipping my ear a few times and blood running down. And I was terrified of getting haircuts. And so, I, 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 Samson, I'm with you, buddy. I don't ever want another haircut, you know. And now look at me. But anyway, but, but so Samson never has his haircut. He, his hair grows the, his entire life. He's not uh, allowed to drink alcohol. He's set aside. And then there's this third, third rule. He's not to touch anything that is dead, that is unclean. He's not to touch any, any dead animal or dead person, he's to stay away from them. And so that's the three rules. And then the, the angel says, because he is going to begin to save his people from the Philistines. 
I have a special purpose, a special mission for him. In fact, eventually when Manoah, Samson's dad, goes and talks to the angel of the Lord, he says, so what is this boy's way of life? How do you want us to raise him, and what will his mission be? What do you want him to do? In other words, as parents, how can we best raise him according to your will? That sounds like a really good start, doesn't it? God has a special plan for your life. Your parents are on board. Your parents are praying for you. Your, your parents uh, are, uh, you know, on board with God and uh, on board with His will. They're doing everything they can to raise you the way that God would have uh, you to be raised. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. Well, until Samson begins to make choices. You, you see, you can have the best parents in the world and still make terrible choices. He decides not to find a wife among the Jewish people, but instead to find a wife among the Philistines. You know, the Philistines were folks who did not worship the one true God. They were folks who would lead the people astray from uh, the one true God. God had told them, don't intermarry because they will lead your heart astray towards idols. But Samson loves the Philistine ladies. You'll see this all the way through his life. He just loves them. He can't, he, he can't uh, stay away from them. And so he says, hey, Dad, hey, Mom, I want to tell you all something. I got me a woman. Hey, you need to come see her. She's amazing. And Dad's like, where? And she, he's like, well, you know, down in uh, Philistia, she's sort of a Philistine. And his dad's like, really, son? Really? Verse 3 of chapter 14. In Judges 14, 3, we see, but his father and mother said to him, is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all our people that you must go to take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. The heart wants what the heart wants, Dad. This is just how I feel. And if you don't give me what I want, Dad, it's not fair. So go get her for me. Go get what I want. Go get the wife I want. Not what God wants. Not what would be best for our family. Not what would be best for what God is calling me to. No, go get the wife I I want, the one that is right in my eyes. It's the phrase you see all the way through the book of Judges. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes because there was no king in Judah or in Israel in those days. Everyone that chose for themselves what to do. And so their attitude was, if I want it, then I'm going to get it. If I want to do it, then I'm going to do it. That sort of sounds familiar, doesn't it? And so Samson says, I really don't care what you think. I'm going to marry her anyway. And so he throws a huge party, and at this huge party, guess what Samson serves? He serves alcohol. He, he's the one who chose to do this. And so, uh, I mean, he's already breaking the rules that God has given him. He's, he's drinking uh, alcohol, even though God told him not to. And, and not only that, we come to verse 14, uh, 14, 14, and he tells this riddle to the uh, Philistines. He says, out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. Now, what he's doing here is he's giving them a riddle, and he says, if you guys can tell me this riddle uh, before the end of the wedding, before the end of the feast, then I'll give you all 30 pairs of clothes. And if you can't, then you've got to give me 30 pairs of clothes. And the riddle that he's telling them is a riddle he thinks that they can never figure out because it's a riddle about something that he has done and only he knows about. No one else even knows uh, what, what is going on. You see... On his way down to uh, visit his soon-to-be wife, uh, a lion had jumped out 
to attack him. And when the lion jumped out to attack him, the Spirit of God came upon him and strengthened him, and he tore the lion uh, with his bare hands. He ripped the lion up with his bare hands. Can you imagine? I mean, that's pretty crazy. He's a dude you don't want to mess with, right? Well, God had come upon him and strengthened him to do this. And so he, he kills the lion, he throws it in the ditch, whatever, and he keeps on going. Well, uh, he comes back later, and he looks, and the lion has a beehive in it. And in this beehive is honey. So Samson says, honey's good, I want some honey, I'm going to take me some honey. It's right in my own eyes, basically. So he goes over to what is dead, what is, he's not supposed to touch, and he scoops out honey for himself. Not only does he scoop it out for himself, he goes and finds his folks, and he says, hey, Mom, Dad, I got y'all some honey. Uh, you know, ha eat some honey with me. He doesn't tell them, by the way, that it came from a rotting lion uh, carcass. Gee, thanks, boy, right? I mean, what's this extra flavor to it? But anyway, I, I mean, it's not only disgusting, it's sinful. Three things. You know, don't uh, drink alcohol, and don't cut your hair, and don't touch anything dead. Samson's already broke two of the three rules that he had. And, and so here he is. He's broken this rule, and he's given this riddle to these Philistines. They can't figure it out. They're trying to figure it out. And, and then on the seventh, or after four days, they go to his wife, and they say, listen, I've got to ask you, how's your fire insurance? Because this husband of yours is trying to rip us off. And if you don't get with him and find out the answer to this riddle he's given us, we're going to burn you and your whole family. We're going to burn your, your house to the ground with all y'all in it. So you better find out what this riddle's about. And so she goes and she, she says, Samson, why don't you love me? Why don't you care about me? You, you asked this riddle of my people and you haven't told me the answer to it? And he's like, that's right, girl. I didn't even tell my parents. Like, this is something that only I know because I want to make some money off of these people, basically. And so she just keeps after him and keeps after him. And then after seven days straight of her crying and, and nagging him, he finally says, okay, I'll tell you. And so he does. And then she gives the answer to the Philistines. And they come up and they're like, oh, hey, we figured out your riddle. And they give him the answer. And he says, you know, unless you had plowed with my heifer, you would have never found out this answer. And so he gets mad and he goes out and he kills 30 men and he takes their clothes and he gives it to them to settle his, his debt. Sounds like an awesome wedding, right? This is Samson doing whatever he wants whenever he feels like it. And so then after a little bit, so he goes home mad, he goes back to his dad's house, and after a little bit he remembers his wife, and he goes to, to see his wife, and he shows up and he says, hey, I, I want to see my wife. He talks to his father-in-law, and he says, um... Yeah, we kind of thought you hated her, so she married the best man. Like, can you imagine? Like, you show back up, hey, I want to see my wife. Um, no, she, we, we gave her to the best man. I mean, we had a wedding. There had to be somebody getting married. Uh, what about her younger sister? She's the pretty one anyway. Like, her father really says that to Samson. Can you imagine? But then we come to verse 3 of chapter 15. Samson's anger is again uh, kindled, and Samson says to them, this time I shall be innocent in regard to the Philistines when I do them harm. Notice he's justifying his own actions. So Samson went and caught 300 foxes and took torches, and he turned them tail to tail and put a torch between each pair of tails. And when he had set fire to the torches, he let the foxes go into the standing grain of the Philistines, 
and set fire to the stack grain and the standing grain as well as the olive orchards. And so basically he wiped out their harvest. So verse 6, uh, the Philistines said, Who has done this? And they said, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he has taken his wife and given her to his companion. And the Philistines came up, came up and burned her and her father with fire. And Samson said to them, If this is what you do, I swear I'll be avenged on you, and after that I will quit. He says, I'm again going to avenge myself on you, and he does. He again hurts them, and, and then he runs off, and he runs and he hides. He basically goes into hiding after attacking the Philistines one more time. And so he's in hiding, and the Philistines come up, and they come up to Israel, and they say, Hey, what's up with this? Why are you allowing Samson to come down and, and hurt us and then come back up here and hide? And so they, they say, if you don't do something, you know, you're going to be uh, killed as well. And so they go up and they talk to Samson and they say, Samson, why are you causing us problems? The Philistines are our rulers. Don't you know this? Why are you uh, making such a, a struggle for us? Verse 12 of chapter 15, skipping on ahead, uh, they, they said to him, we have come down to bind you that we may give you into the hands of the Philistines. And so 15, 12 uh, we have come down to bind you that we may give you into the hands of the Philistines. And Samson said to them, Swear to me that you will not attack me yourselves. Verse 13 says, They said to him, No, we will only bind you and give you into their hands. We will surely not kill you. So they bound him with new ropes and brought him up from the rock. They, don't you love that? He says, Just make sure y'all don't kill me. And he sa they say, No, we're not going to kill you. We're just going to give you to the people that want to. That's some great friends, isn't it? So, so the Israelites are unwilling to go to war with the Philistines, even though they have a guy who can take them on whenever uh, he wants. They're like, no, we're going to go ahead and hand him on over. And uh, in fact, we're going to give him to the people who want to kill him. And so we come down to Judges 15, 14. They, Judges 15, 14, it says, When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting to meet him. The Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and the ropes that were on his arms became his flax and that has caught fire, and his bonds melted off his hands. And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey and put out his hand and took it, and with it he struck 1,000 men. And so here in verse 15, we, we see that he takes a fresh jawbone of a donkey uh, and he kills 1,000 men with it. Can you imagine the scene this must have been? But God sets him free from his bonds. He, he burns off his bonds and Samson finds a fresh jawbone and he goes over and he kills a thousand men. You'd think Israel would get behind him at this point, but they don't. They're still afraid of the Philistines. And so he makes up this song uh, about killing all these people with his jawbone because he thinks it's funny. And we come down to verse 18 of chapter 15. If you skip down with me a few more verses. Judges 15, 18, and he was very thirsty. And he called upon the Lord and said, You have granted this great salvation by the hand of your servant, and shall, now, shall I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? And God split open the hollow place that is at Lehi, and water came out from it. And when he drank, his spirit returned and he revived. Therefore the name of it is called En Hakor. It is at Lehi to this day. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. You know, it's amazing to me that Samson, in spite of all of his immaturity, his selfishness, understands that God is working through him. Would you allow your servant to perish? Even though he's sort of complaining. I mean, if we're honest, we can't really give him the benefit of the doubt here. He says, are you going to let me die out here like I'm super thirsty? 
But he says, your servant, he understands that God is working through him. He understands that God is using him to do uh, these things, this salvation that God is bringing about. Uh, God is working through him. Samson never takes credit for anything that he does here. He understands that it is God working. Guys, even in our imperfection, even when we are messed up, God still works through us. Sometimes I think we think that we've got to get everything together and we've got to get our life together before God can use us. We would have a very short Bible if God only used people that were perfect. We wouldn't have any stories of anybody but Jesus, right? Because there's no one that we read about in Scripture that, that had it all figured out, that had it all right. Even, even Samson is used by God, and even Samson realizes that God has used him. He spends time in prayer before the Lord. Which, by the, by the way, we'll see this again later, but he's, like, he's really the only judge we see in the book of Judges that has this deep of a relationship with God that spends time in prayer before the Lord. But he continues to make terrible choices. He continues to go after the women of the Philistines. In fact, he almost gets killed because he's at a Philistine prostitute's house. But he comes out, he tears open the gates, and he gets away. But then, what he's most famous for, I guess, is the story of when he falls in love with a woman named Delilah. If I say Samson and Delilah, we all know who that is, right? It's not so much a love story as it is a lust story. The Philistines find out that Samson is enamored, that he's obsessed with this woman named Delilah, and so they go to her and they say, hey, listen, we're sick of Samson beating us up all the time. We're sick of Samson coming and destroying us and being able to do whatever he wants to us, and so we want you to figure out his secret. How is this dude so strong? How is he able to do these amazing things? Find out his secret. So if you would look, at, look with me at 16.11, Judges 16.11 as we skip... Uh, even further ahead. Uh, and so she asks him. She goes and she pleads with him, please tell us uh, why you're able to be so strong. Tell us how you're able to be so strong. And so, verse 11 of chapter 16, he says, and he said to her, if they bind me with new robes that have not been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So Delilah took new robes and bound them with them and said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And the men lying in ambush were in an inner chamber. But he snapped the ropes off his arms like a thread. I think I would be gone at that point, wouldn't you? Like, I think this lady is trying to kill me. Like, why are there Philistines hiding in her house while I'm asleep? What is going on? But look at verse 13. Judges 16, 13. Then Delilah said to Samson... Until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me how you, you might be bound. I'm sorry, I've been, I've been listening to this on uh, a, a CD, you know, and so the guy reading it, he talks in a woman's voice and it's stuck in my head like, until now you... Anyway, so... And, and he said to her, if you weave the seven locks of my head with the web and fasten it tight with the pin, then I shall become weak like any other man. So while he slept, Delilah took the seven locks of his head and wove them into the web. And she made them tight with the pin and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled away the pin, the loom, and the web. So the first time he says, They bind me with new robes. I won't be able to handle it. She binds him with new robes. He breaks free. He doesn't understand. Second time, he gets a little closer. Remember, the last rule that God gave him was don't cut your hair. He gets a little closer and he says, If you weave 
my hair into uh, this thing uh, that, that we, we use to sew and things like that, this weaver, uh, then I won't be able to get free. I'll be stuck. And so this, uh, this loom that she weaves his hair into, uh, he wakes up, his hair's weaved into the loom, he breaks free easily and gets back up. I think it's pretty obvious what's going on at this point, wouldn't you say? Like, I tell her my, what I, she thinks is my secret, then she tries it out and it doesn't work. Maybe I should may, find a different place to, to go, maybe find a different woman to go after, but no, look at verse 15. And she said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times, and you have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. And so basically she just continually nags him day after day. And so he tells her, uh, verse 17, And he told her all his heart and said to her, A razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak like any other man. Last rule broke. Verse 18, when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up again, for he has told me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in her hands. In their hands, they offered her 1,100 pieces of silver. Uh, in verse 19, she made him sleep on her knees, and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. Finally, Samson is done. He feels like he's gotten away with all that he's done up to this point. Not following God, not believing God, but here we see his strength leaves him. Verse 20. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Because that, that might be the most terrifying and terrible verse in all of the Bible. This man who had walked, not necessarily faithfully with God, but knew God and had the Spirit of God upon him so often in his life, did not know that the Lord wasn't with him anymore. He was so spiritually blind that he didn't even realize God's hand was no longer on him. God's favor was no longer upon him. He had walked so far away from God, he couldn't even see that he wasn't walking with God anymore. He didn't even care. He didn't even give God a second thought. He tried to do things that he had done before, and this time, of course, he fails miserably. Don't assume this morning, guys, that you can keep doing whatever it is that you've been doing and that God will just continue to bless you. That God will continue to allow you to, to walk away from Him with no consequences. Don't assume that He will continue, that you'll, you'll continue to feel His presence just because you've gotten away with it up to this point. Samson assumed that he could continue doing what he wanted to do without any thought of God and that God would just go along with it. But he had gotten to the place where God's blessing had been removed. And so they take Samson and they blind him. They, they cut out his eyes. And they put him to work in the mill. Verse 22, though, of chapter 16. You've you got to love the way that God uh, gives us his word. Verse 22 of chapter 16. They, 
they blind him, they put him working in the mill, like a common animal, basically. But the hair of his head began to grow again after he had been shaved. You see, God's not done with Samson yet, and we're going to see that here in a minute. The Philistines thought it was over. They thought they had won. And so they throw this huge party at their, their temple. There, there's 3,000 people on the roof. We don't know how many people total are there. There's a bunch of people. All the people who are somebody in uh, Philistia are there. And they say, hey, why don't you bring old Samson out to entertain us? And the Hebrew is, is kind of, it, it, it basically means to laugh at. Why don't you bring Samson out so we can laugh at him, our old enemy who thought he was so powerful? Because Dagon, our God, has defeated him. Dagon, our God, has gotten glory over him. Let's laugh at this, this fool. Let's talk about how strong he is now. Let's make fun of him some more. And so they bring him out and they, they set him and he's standing there and they're all laughing at him and there's a young man standing next to him and he says, can, can you put my hands on the pillars where I'm standing so I can uh, brace myself up? And so he does. And we come to verse 28. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength. And the house fell upon the Lord's and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. How sad, guys, that his greatest accomplishment didn't happen until he died. God accomplished his purpose through Samson. God always accomplishes his purpose through our lives. The question is, is whether or not we are blessed as he does it. He had told his mother, he's going to begin the process of saving my people from the Philistines. And he does. I mean, you think about all the noblemen that he kills in one fell swoop here. But imagine if Samson had been a man who rather than choosing to do what he wanted to do, chose to obey the Lord. God could have accomplished the same purpose, but with a much different result for Samson. You see, He will always accomplish His purpose in your life. The question is, will it be through you or despite you? Are you going to so stand in His way that the only way He can accomplish it is through something like this? Samson is one of the, the saddest stories we read in the Bible because he had everything, right? I mean, he had all this potential. He, he's what you think of when you think of the word potential. But he's also what you think of when you think of the word wasted potential. I, I mean, he's a superhero, basically, right? Think about how strong he is. Nobody else in the Bible we see has this kind of strength. Nobody else has God's blessing on them the way that Samson does almost. I mean, there's very few people who do. But he wastes it, he squanders it on himself. Everything he does, even as he's accomplishing God's purposes, is for himself. He does what's right in his own eyes, not what's right in God's eyes. And so I, wanna, I want us to just very quickly, I want to give us a few takeaways from Samson's choices. First off, I, I just want to point out that Samson reminds us that as parents, even if we do everything right, 
the end of the day, our children still make their own choice. That's terrifying for me. I'm sort of a controlling person, I'll admit it. And so like I, I want my children to do what I want them to do. But it doesn't work that way. No matter what I do, at the end of the day, they still have to make a decision. They still have to make a choice. I don't know how often I've sat with parents who are brokenhearted or feel guilty because they feel like, is this my fault? Are my children making these choices because of what, how I raised them? The answer is, honestly, every child must make a choice for themselves. We saw that last week with Josiah. He had terrible parents. But God blessed him because he chose to follow after the Lord. This week, Samson has the best of parents. But he instead chose to walk away. Because we're not guaranteed our children will follow the Lord just because we do everything we can do. Then also, uh, we see that we have to make our choices not based on what we want, but based on what's right in God's eyes. Samson's choices are made based on what Samson thought was right, not based on what God says is right. And you look at where it led him. Because he did whatever he wanted to do when he wanted to do it. He got, he, he got to do whatever he wanted to do, and you look at what happened to him. Do you really expect it to turn out any different for you? The ultimate end uh, of our life will be determined by the choices that we make. But, but So make sure that as you make choices, you make it based on what God says is right, not on what you say is right. Not on, well, you know, I know God says this, but in my eyes, this is right. And then secondly, be careful that you don't trip over the same mistake, the same sin over and over and over again. In our, in our house, when we, uh, whoever had it before us, they converted the, the garage into a living room, so that means that we have a a step up into the kitchen. It's one of those things that I was supposed to change after we moved in. And, well, you know, you know how that goes. If you don't do it right away, it sort of becomes not changed. And anyway, but uh, I, I don't know how many times myself, my wife, and my children have tripped over that same exact spot in our house. We know it's there. We see it all the time, but we still trip over that step up. Samson, he, time after time, he saw the Philistine ladies and he just could not stop himself. Well, actually, he chose not to stop himself. Notice the difference in language. He chose to go after that which God told him not to. And what ended up destroying him, that which he chose to continue to prove, uh, to pursue. Are you stuck in a cycle this morning? Are you stuck in this crazy cycle where you think, okay, this time when I do this, it won't destroy me. This time when I do this, I'll be able to stop. This time when I do this, it won't be as bad as last time. I'll be able, I'll be able to, to quit it this time. Just one more time. Just one more time. What leads to one more time? Do you know Jesus gives you the strength, the spiritual sight to be able to see when you're continually tripping over the same thing over and over and over and over and over again? And he also gives you the strength to, to go away from those sins in your life through prayer, and through relying on Him and relying on His people, the church. Paul said if you see any brother that is stuck in sin, you go and you help him. You go and restore such a one. Pull him out of the mud, so to speak. Help him get unstuck. If you're struggling this morning with the same thing over and over and over, it feels like your life is a record just going around in circles because you can't quit this one thing. Ask yourself, are you truly relying on the Lord? Are you studying His Word? Are you praying? Are you seeking counsel and, and help and strength from His people? Or are you trying to do it on your own? Thirdly, sometimes God allows 
the consequences of our sins to be the punishment. You notice that God doesn't come and say, Samson, stop. Samson, stop. Samson, stop. Samson, stop. In fact, we don't really see any criticism other than his dad saying, dude, really? Like you're going after a Philistine wife? Like he's pretty much allowed to do what he wants to do. But he still faces consequences. I wonder how often this morning, or how many of us this morning, feel like since we've gotten away with whatever it is, whatever sin it is in our life, since we've gotten away with it up to this point, that we feel like maybe God doesn't care. Maybe he'll continue to let us get away with it. I'm going to tell you, sin has a way of bringing out the consequences eventually. Maybe not this time, maybe not last time, maybe not even the next time, but you will pay. Sin has consequences. It has a price. Samson ultimately paid the ultimate price. He lost everything. Lost everything because he thought he could just keep getting away with disobeying the Lord. Repent. Guys, repent now before it's too late. And then, lastly, I, I just want us to see this morning that no matter how far we walk away, no matter how far we fall, there's always more grace. Bad choices don't necessarily mean that we are not a believer. You know, Samson himself, when I think about Samson, I, I remember I, I had a seminary professor who was like, there's no way Samson was a believer. Look at that guy. He, he did everything wrong. And I understand where he's coming from, but let me read you something from God's Word out of Hebrews 11, verse 32. Speaking about those who have great faith. And what more shall I say, for time will have failed me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets. In the same breath as David, Samson is mentioned as someone who followed the Lord by faith. Samson had a relationship with, Christ, or with God. He had a relationship with God. He followed God, but he didn't follow God perfectly. He didn't obey God perfectly. What makes a Christian, guys, what makes someone who's a Christ follower? Is it our behavior or is it our faith? It's our faith in Him, right? It's our pursuing of Him. When we look at Samson, we probably see a lot of ourselves. We fall. We follow the Lord. We fall. We follow the Lord. We fall. We follow the Lord. We fall. I mean, how often does that happen? The, proverb, the book of Proverbs says that the righteous man shall fall seven times, but seven times will he rise. In other words, you can fall completely. You can fall flat on your face. The difference between someone who's a believer and someone who's not is the believer will get up and continue to follow the Lord. Someone who's not a believer will be like, you know what, I, I'm not good with this. I think I'm just going to go do my own thing. I'm going to go serve myself. No, someone who's a believer is not someone who's perfect. It's not someone who does everything perfectly. It's someone who even when they fall, even when they mess up, they come back and they say, Lord, I messed up. Please forgive me. Restore me so I can serve you. Are you somebody who's fallen this morning? Do you feel like maybe there's not enough grace left for you? There's always more grace than, than there is sin. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to pay for some of your sins. He said, I'm going to pay for all of them. Paid in full not paid in part. So don't think this morning that just because you've messed up that, that God is done with you or that God will not forgive you. He will. He, he forgives all those who return to Him, all those who repent and turn back to Him. Would you repent and turn to Him this morning? Would you repent and fall on, on His mercy and on His grace 
as a believer, would you repent and say, God, I, I, I need you, I need your help, I need your help, I want to serve you. No matter what it is that you've done, no matter where it is uh, that you are spiritually. Maybe this morning you're not a believer, you've never believed on Christ. Do you know He paid for your sins on the cross? That the Son of God went uh, to the cross to pay for your sins so that you could be saved, so that you could live eternally, so that you didn't have to stay on the crazy cycle of, of being uh, dominated by sin, but that you could be set free? Would you turn to Him and find strength in Him? Would you turn to Him and find life in Him this morning? Would you believe on Him and be saved? If you would, pray with me. And as I pray, we'll be getting ready for invitation. And after that, we will uh, just uh, respond to the Lord. Father, I thank you. God, I thank you that you have grace for us. God, that you have strength uh, for us. God, that you have new mercies every morning. Lord, I pray that we learn from Samson's example of what not to do. But God, that, that we learn what it is to follow after you, to trust on you, to choose to follow you each and every day. God, we need your help in this place. Would you help us, Lord? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us? And as you stand, we're going to sing. And as we sing, would you come?